Everybody ready for some word today? If you brought your Bible with you, go with me to the book of Psalms and the 34th chapter. Psalm 34. Last week, we began a new series of messages that I want to pick up on today. I intentionally raised questions last week with the intent of answering them. I'll not answer all of them today. I'll answer a little and raise more. (laughs) Got to do something to get you to come back. (laughs) No. Psalm 34 is our starting point here today. Let's read verse 8. Psalm 34 and 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Why don't you say that out loud with me? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Praise God. Who gets blessed? The one who trusts. All right, the one who trusts in who? The good Lord. And I don't mean that in a colloquial sense. (laughs) The Lord who is good. You are blessed when you can when you will acknowledge the goodness of God. Now, Now look at Psalm 145. Psalm 145 as well. Psalm 145, verse 8. Beginning in 8, reading 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all and His tender mercies are over all His works. Praise God. Who is the Lord good to? The Lord is good to all. Now, like I mentioned to you last week, sometimes a statement like that is not easily and quickly agreed with, even though in principle, most people will say that God is good. And if asked, especially in church, is the Lord good? Yes, the Lord is good. Uh, but, but, But very often, people have a problem with that, relating it to real life relating it to personal experience, even global events, because it looks like sometimes that God hasn't been good. Everybody with me? But yet we know, or at least we know we're supposed to think, He is good. And yet we deal with circumstances, we deal with situations that don't look altogether good. And these are things that must be clarified and understood by all. Alright? We need to be able to articulate what things are of God and what things are not of God. We should be able to do this for two reasons. One is for our own personal relationship with Him. And what I mean by that is the enemy will endeavor to drive a wedge between you and God. And he'll, even though you might say the right things or agree to correct principles, if there's a little bit of hesitation inside your heart that questions 
whether God is really good because of things that you've experienced, then that hinders your walk with Him. If you come into church and sing and lift your hands about God's goodness, but on the inside it's like, yeah, but my life stinks, you know, and you somehow kind of put these things together, it's, it's not genuine. It, it, there's no conviction there. And, and we've got to have an understanding both for our own personal relationship with God, but also um, for people in this world. You know, a lot of people in the world asking questions and not getting, not getting very good answers. Okay? A lot of people uh, uh, trying to reconcile Christians who are saying that, that God is good, and yet there's a lot of tragedy and suffering in this world, and we've got to have accurate and correct answers to the things that are happening in life. We must cut through the confusion and present a clear message of God's love for people and His desire to help them. All right? You don't, I'd encourage you, don't let any resentment exist in your heart towards God that maybe He has done you wrong. I imagine that probably a large percentage of us in here have thought that way at, at different times. Where we've experienced something or it looked like God failed to come through for us and we kind of were a little bit irked at Him. Even though we may not have said so. We may not have, have, have outwardly blamed him because we know that would be wrong. But we inwardly did. And we were kind of separated a little as a result of that belief. You see, we can have this all cleared up. And I tell you what, every single time God will come out shining. He, you'll recognize, I will recognize when I see things clearly that God has been, always is, always will be good and good to me. And that he is never the bad guy. But there are a lot of accusations flying. And I tell you what, not only does it happen in the world, it happens in, in churches a whole lot. God gets accused. He gets blamed, even though some do it with a they do it with a heart that is pure, I think. I mean they're not trying to say that God is bad, but he still gets blamed. You know, a, let's say you got a, 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 a football player, college football player, outstanding in his game and has NFL hopes and, and, uh, and just a really outstanding college football player, but then it messes up his knee. Has a game, you know, that kind of stuff happens pretty frequently. Has a, has, has a game, his knee gets all messed up. Well, many times the answer will be given to him. He'll say, well, they'll say, well, it must not have been God's will for you to be a football player. God has a different plan for your life. They'll say, it must not have been God's will for you to be in the NFL, uh, otherwise this wouldn't have happened. No. God does not force His will upon our lives by crippling us. I mean, we need to step back and think about this for a moment. Where did Jesus say that? Where did He do people that way? Did he one day lay hands on one person and minister healing to him? And the next guy he saw, he kind of went up to his side and went, wham! And just popped his knee out. Said, you know what? This is going to help you to do the will of God. I love you. Aren't I good? And so, I mean, I realize that, see, that sounds ridiculous. But the reality is... People 
attribute those kind of things to God all day long, just in an invisible way. Well, God did that to you, but just not physically, or he popped your knee out. huh? Or, you know, a person dies young in life, and things are said. People try to come up with answers. Maybe it's a child, maybe it's an adult in midlife, and people try to come up with answers and say, well, God needed another angel in the choir. Or he needed another flower in his garden. And uh, trying to seek answers to these things. And uh, here's the deal, though. Uh, we never become angels nor flowers when we die. <laughs> Both of those statements are just not true. They're unfounded in Scripture. Uh, we don't become angels. I, I don't, there'll probably be a lot of singing, maybe some choirs in heaven. I, but but would Jesus never talked that way. We're not taught that, but pe- taught that way in Scripture, but people come up with answers uh, as to why things happen, and they're just not accurate, and they leave an empty spot on the inside because it's like, that's not good enough. You know, a, um, uh, a storm happens. You know, a few years ago, like uh, the, that tsunami that took place, and a uh, couple hundred thousand people died in uh, the other side of the world. And people try to explain that. They say, well, you know, God is just judging the ungodliness of that part of the world and judging the heathen. And, and so uh, this, is, this is the Lord's work. No. Actually, God is sending missionaries to the heathen. God is sending help to the hurting. He is giving hope to the hopeless. He is sending people with a gospel message of good news. So, which one is God involved in here? Is he trying to take people out? Is he trying to destroy them? Or is he trying to save them? Hmm. Which God are we serving here? And and these things must be clarified within our minds when we see tragedy and destruction all around. What is God's intent here? And I see that God wants to lift people and not knock them down. He wants to help them and not hurt them. He wants to heal them and not, not, not give them problems. Is something good or is it bad? These things should not be mingled. Well, you can't really tell. Is this a good thing or it's a bad thing? Listen, you could, you answered that clearly before you got saved. Before you walked into church. Huh? And theology got it all messed up. And now we call good, bad, and bad, good. And we're not sure what's good and what's bad. And what's we, what we should accept and what we should resist and fight against. And people have mingled it all up because of this idea that everything that happens is governed and controlled by God. This idea. I didn't say this scripture. I said this idea. We'll come back to that later. But evil is the opposite of good. God is not good one day and evil the next. He's not, he's not helping you one day and hurting you the next. He's not healing you one day and giving you a disease the next. That's not consistent with our good God. Amen. Now, by the way, uh, if this kind of talking is new to you, uh, eat the whole roll. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let me talk for a while before you say, ah, I can't accept that. I, I don't know about that. I would encourage you, don't even prejudge it just on one service because this is a series. I understand. There was a, a, a man I talked to uh, not too long ago. And, and he, you know, had a hard time with some of the things that I, that I said. And the reason was because his, his father had died. I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, it was a cancer situation. And they had prayed and they didn't get their victory. They didn't get their answer, didn't get their healing. And so he had trouble with me being so dogmatic 
and absolute concerning the healing power of God and God's plan. And, and, uh, and you know, he basically, his position was, again, I'm not throwing him under the bus. He, he was, he had a difficult situation in his life. He was trying to reconcile. And he said, well, I think that faith is just when I, I pray and then I just leave it up to God. And I put it in his hand. And that sounds good. It's just not biblically accurate. See, we were never told to do things that way. That's not how the Lord told us to pray. See, there's, there are ways to do things that get results. There are ways to do things that don't get results. And if I'm not sure about this, well, good news. God loves me. He'll teach me and help me to see. And whatever we do, even if we're in a position where we don't understand why something took place, that's okay. I don't understand all and know all by any means. But if you're in a situation where you don't know why something happened or why some circumstance happened in your life or in the world, uh, stop there. It's okay to communicate that with the Lord and say, you know what, I don't really get this. I don't understand why this happened. Help me to see it. Help me to understand. But we don't want to be in an accusatory position where we're blaming God, saying, God, you could have fixed this. Are you sure? Well, certainly he could have. He's God. Are you sure? So why are you talking like that? (laughs) Because we jump to assumptions, assuming that everything is, that God has access to all areas of our lives and of the world. And I'll get to that a little bit later. Everybody okay? But God, again, is not going back and forth. Good God, bad God. He does good things one day, he does bad things the next day. How many know any parent could really mess up their kids if they treated them that way? You know, the one, in other words, one day, they're just loving on them, hugging them, just showing them affection and their, their kindness. And the next day, they're ridiculing them, putting them down and being mean to them. I'm not talking, you know, they're hurting them and all kinds of things, and I'm not talking about godly discipline, but I'm talking about that they're just one day, you just can never tell. That kid is going to have some issues, right? They're going to have some trouble as they grow up with parents who are so inconsistent that are one day good and the next day they're mean. The Father is not that way toward us either. He can be understood, good can be understood, evil can be understood, and, uh, you know, the Lord is not making you sick so he can heal you that's actually a, a doctrine that some have embraced oh yeah god will give you this disease so he can heal you later and get glory for it ah that's weird you know that's isn't there like a clinical name for that huh? he's he's not taking things from you so that you'll look to him these kind of things are said, and it, it hinders people's confidence in God. Uh, well, he knew you wouldn't look to him any other way. Say, so he's the one that killed your cat, get, made you lose your job, and now, you, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? He, he gets accused of these things, but I'm just telling you today, that's not the way he is. I never see Jesus acting that way. I never saw him, as I read the Scriptures, um, treating people in that fashion. Suffering does not bring God pleasure, nor is it the environment necessary for all spiritual growth and development. Well, you have to. No, you don't. How we respond to the things that come our way will make a difference in whether we go up or down. But, we get, but getting to the basis of this, where, where, where God is putting all these things on, on us, is just not accurate. You know, Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20 
Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. What to them? Whoa. <laughs> I think we should adopt that language. If you're ever having a conversation with them and they're, they're attributing to God something that's not consistent with goodness and kindness and love, what, what should you say to them? <laughs> Whoa. Back off now, man. <laughs> Slow down here. We're not going to call evil good and good evil. Let's call it what it is. That's evil. And this is good. Okay. Go, go to Matthew 7 with me. Matthew chapter 7. Let's see what uh, Jesus had to say about these things. Would you, would you call someone good if they were harmful to others? No. Good people enjoy doing good things to others. In Matthew 7, Jesus compared natural fathers to the Father in heaven. And we won't read it all, but ver- look at verse 11. Matthew seven eleven. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Now, what we can see here, without go- going in real deep, is that that God is is Father to us. To every person who's been born again, He is Father. He is Father God. That should give us clear understanding and revelation of the things He wants to do in our lives. A good father. Any fathers in the house today have kids? You want to, you want, you want to break their legs and ruin their lives and, 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 and all this stuff to teach them a lesson or, or, or some other divine purpose that you won't share with them? No. You want good things. You're trying to give them a, a leg up. You're trying to give them help. You're trying to help them in their journey and teach them and instruct them and bless them with your love. And you're not going back and forth. What's the comparison? He, Jesus said here, how much more? How much more your Father who is in heaven will He give good things to those that ask? See, we need facts about God. We need facts about a Father who loves us. Not a theology, an understanding of God that is founded in our experience, founded in a circumstance that we went through. Everybody with me? Here's the thing. Everything that we have experienced, we've gone through, we see it from a limited perspective. We're not seeing the whole picture. Even if we went through it and experienced it ourselves, we don't know all the reasons and all the circumstances that surrounded it. We're not seeing into the realm of the Spirit frequently, where we know what's going on behind the scenes. And so our perspective in describing any event is limited at best. And so for us to, to interpret God in the light of what happens is going to be inaccurate, But we are to interpret what happens in the light of a good God, a Father who loves us. Everybody with me now? Then we'll start seeing circumstances. We'll start seeing experiences through His eyes. We'll start seeing them clearly. And God will never be accused at the end of it. He will always stand righteous and pure and holy and just in all that takes place. Praise God. And so... Again, our perception is often skewed. God is not illogical. He's not confused. He's not schizophrenic. And, uh, and, and we should understand uh, that that is the way He is consistently, period. 
All right. Now, I'm aware, just as a side note here, parenthetical thought, I am aware of some of the Bible verses, or you scholars, that people have used to attribute bad things to the hand of God evil in people's lives to God working. I'm aware of those verses. I'm not talking about all them today. This is a series. (laughs) And I'm not promising that I'm going to cover every verse. I'm not going to deal with the whole Bible uh, in this series. But uh, there are a lot of things out there. But if they're understood correctly, they don't contradict. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you have a genuine experience with God, you'll come away, thank you, Lord, this was good. It's good. I like it. Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of uh, thoughts that are going around these days. People say, well, no matter what you're going through, you should thank God for it. You should thank God for everything that happens to you. Well, why would I thank God for something that He didn't do? If I can conclude, conclude that there is a separation between who God is and what He does and what I potentially experience and what happens in this world, why would I thank God for everything that happens if there's not a direct connection? Say, well, the Bible says to. Well, not so fast. I'm aware of those verses too, by the way. I don't know everything, but listen, I'm aware of some of these things. I know the Bible says to give thanks in every circumstance, in all situations. We are to give Him thanks, not for the problem. I'm also aware of Ephesians 5 that says thank Him for everything, but that it still is in context of what He does. Huh? If you have a flat tire out there after church today, don't come thank me. Because I didn't do it. Right? Well, I just want to thank you for that flat tire. <laughs> I've actually had people say things, not that in particular, but things like that before. This, anyway, they wanted to thank the, thank the church for something bad that happened. It's like, we're not, try, not trying to ruin your life. <laughs> trying to help you. And uh, anyway, when it comes to the Lord, we, we need to begin to recognize what things are of Him and what things are not of Him, okay? So it comes down to this. I want to begin giving answers. (laughs) I want to begin with an overview. As I finish up this message today, kind of a bird's eye view of why bad things happened and how that God is not to blame, all right? It, It goes this way. If God is all good and all-powerful, why is there so much evil and suffering in the world? And more specifically, why is there evil and, and suffering sometimes in, and in, in maybe your life? And how can, we, how can we understand these things? All right? I have numerous times over the years seen television interviews, national programs where they'll bring on some prominent and well, well-known minister and usually after a global uh, tragedy or, you know, or national or whatever, some type of bad event happens, and the interviewer, you typically ungodly interviewer, will begin to question as to why God did this 
or why God let this happen, that, that type of language. And, and I'm very saddened to hear the answers 99.9% of the time. Uh, it's just like, ah, oh, don't give them that answer. You can see they don't accept it. You can see it's totally illogical. It makes no sense. And they view the church as basically putting their head in the sand and they won't deal with reality. They're just going to defend God even though at the same time, by their theology, He controlled it. There has got to be a gap between the goodness of God and what He does and what happens in life and what people experience. If not, He is to blame for all of it. But if He's not, then there's some type of uh, uh, separation there uh, between the two. And here's the basic deal here. The answer lies in knowing that being all-powerful and all-good is not the same as controlling everything. It is possible to be el perfecto, good, love, and all-powerful, all might, nothing escapes your ability, and still not be dictating everything that transpires in the world. And when we understand that, it's easy to say, God is good, that situation is bad and they don't join they're they're not connected he just didn't have anything to do with that he wasn't involved with that that's not his work that's not his plan that's not his will it happened someone said well i thought he was all powerful all powerful yes controlling everything no and I realize even that kind of statement is a, is a new concept to many people. Uh, now, let me say this. Especially those who have grown up in church. But I imagine if you're new to the Lord, you're new in church, some of that thinking has probably got all the way out to you outside there where you live. Where you've heard and picked up on statements like that. And it's just confusing how God makes all these things happen. And, uh, and yet he's called good. You know, people are, events are referred to regularly as acts of God. Talking about natural disasters. Acts of God. Just because they're labeled that doesn't mean it's true. Doesn't mean he, he was involved in it. Doesn't mean that he was the reason or cause of them. I, I want to give you two verses. The first one is 2 Corinthians 4. And uh, I'm going to finish up with these verses today. But he is not dictating everything that happens on earth. And we've got to learn to separate God from much of what happens here on earth. Uh, He's not only, let, let me make this statement as well. God is not only not causing all the bad stuff that we see in, in the world. Here's another side of that. He's also not allowing it. Many people have been taught, no, God didn't give you that disease, but He allowed it to happen. When you really boil that down, aren't you really saying the same thing? If it was, if it was still God who either did it or God who allowed it, it was, you're still... It it was designed, it was intentional, it was controlled by Him, that it was up to God to bring that to pass. He's still to blame now. It's still His doing. 
it's still inconsistent with his character and nature toward his children. So, we're not, I, I'm not coming at this from, yeah, God didn't do it, but he allowed it. No, that's saying the same thing. It's just, that's called, what do they call that in politics? Spin. <laughs> just spinning that thing to make God somehow look good, but not <laughs> at the same time. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, notice with me in verse 3. It reads, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age, you should recognize that phrase, the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Who is the gospel veiled to? Uh, Well, those who don't believe, because the God of this age has blinded them. Now, you notice God there is little g God. Not talking about God, not talking about the Father, not talking about the Creator. We're talking about little g God, right? The God of this age. In other words, there is a time period that we live in, that we exist in. And in this time period, there is a person called God that's not God. He is the God of this age. He's little g God. And that is the devil. It is the enemy. It's the one Jesus defeated at the cross. But the word God implies rulership. It implies, uh, you know, a, uh, a position to do things. He is the God of this age. Does, does, does that give us any light as to why there is evil in the world? It's because of, because of the God of this age. There is another person here who has an ability to wreak havoc and destroy. Jesus said, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. We should clearly recognize not only what is good and what is not, but we should recognize the origin of what is good and what is not. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father, the Father of lights. And those things that are here to kill, steal, and destroy, they come from the God of this world who is blinding people's eyes, who is deceiving and bringing much destruction. Go over to 1 John now, 1 John chapter 5. It's a right turn. If you get to Revelation, it's all over. (laughs) 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. 519. We know, this is the New International Version, by the way, that I'm quoting right here. First uh, John five nineteen. We know that we are children of God, and that the whole world is under the control of God. Huh? The whole world is controlled by God. The whole world is under the control of the evil one. Say what? Was that, is that really there right there in the Bible? That's certainly an amendment, though, isn't it? That couldn't have been there all along. If that was there all along, why would God be said continually over and over and over again in the mouth of many believers from many pulpits? It is, why is it continually said that God is in control? Why is that the pat answer For so many situations that people can't understand and tragedies that happen, the answer is, well, God's in control. When the Bible says just the opposite of that. 
Don't you hate it when the Bible messes up your theology? <laughs> this is saying the same thing as 2 Corinthians 4 when it talks about the God of this age. Or Satan, who is here for a period of time. He's blinding, he's deceiving, and he's controlling the world. Why is there so much junk going on? That's the answer right there. I don't, I, I don't mean there, we can't elaborate. I will elaborate on that in, de, in greater detail, how we can overcome and change things. But why is a lot of bad things happening? How can God be good and yet all this junk going on in the world? He's not running the world. He's not controlling everything that happens here. There's a reason for that, by the way, too, which I don't have time to get into all that as well. But there's a reason why God is not controlling the earth. He did before, and He will again someday. He will ultimately end up in control. And He he will be the one... I mean, when this thing... All the prophecies that have been spoken, they'll come to pass. What God has said will happen. Okay? But in the meantime here, we're in this age, this time period, and the evil one is wrecking havoc. He is walking about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for opportunities to kill, steal, and destroy. And when people are taught and they believe that everything that happens comes to them from God, it is His will, His plan, then the enemy has inroads. Because what, when something bad happens, we accept it and say, Thank you, Lord. I praise you for this. Or we accept it as, ah, man, my, the knee went out. I guess I'm not supposed to play sports. And we interpret circumstances and interpret God in light of them and deter- interpret His plan based on what we experience instead of recognizing that God is good all the time in every situation, to every, in, in every person's life, but there is also an evil one. And he's on the prowl. He's looking to, to destroy and ruin people's lives. And there's just a lot of stuff going on that is of him. You see, if I really believe that everything that happened in my life, beginning to end, was all of God, his will, his plan, I need to be accepting of everything. You know what that means? That means if I'm going through something, I need to accept it. I shouldn't resist it. I shouldn't try to get... If I'm sick, I shouldn't try to get well. If I'm poor, I shouldn't try to get any money. If I'm depressed, I should just close the blinds. If everything that happens to me is somehow in the will and plan of God, then what right... I mean, why should I be disobedient to that? I should embrace it. Thank you, Lord. My life is pathetic. I belong to you. Or I can recognize, man, there is an enemy. There is a thief. There is a robber who's out to destroy me and destroy other people's lives. And when things come up, I apply God's word. I take his name. I, I bring the goodness of God on the scene. And I, as James 4, 7, 7 says, I resist the devil and he flees from me. You see, there are circumstances that God wants to be engaged in and involved with, but he's not able to. Because we're saying, God, this is of you. I accept it. He honors our faith. He's on, he honors our choice. He honors our will. But when we get empowered with spiritual knowledge and we recognize the source and the origin of where things come from, now we're getting ready to make a difference. Now we're getting ready to take a stand. I know that in some people's lives, they have taken comfort in 
the belief that their suffering, their hardship, serves some greater and eternal purpose. I'm not here to give you good news about that today. It might, it might initially actually even be discouraging. Because you think maybe God had a, there was a reason for this, this happening. And there was, a, there was a plan from God. And I'm here to tell you, no, that's not the case. The plan was to ruin your life. It was the enemy. He was trying to kill, steal, and destroy. And if you suffered, you know, it's not encouraging, but it was needless. But good news now, good news is, God's still on the throne. Yeah. I mean, say, can, you, can anything come out positive? Yeah, however we respond to circumstances determines whether we go up or down. And you can respond with God's Word, and I'm going to be talking about some of these things in the weeks to come, but we can respond appropriately and accurately and actually come out better. But if we live a passive life and just say, oh, okay, Lord, whatever you want, uh, God's will is not being done. His will is being misinterpreted. But Jesus is still alive. He's still got the victory. And we can walk with Him and experience His goodness and His best every day. Praise God. Amen. There is no reward for suffering these things. I'm not talking about persecution now. That's another thing. But there is reward for us taking God's Word and His, the authority of Jesus' name and overcoming with the victory that is ours in Christ. There is great reward in, the, in these things. Amen. Amen.